Mark and I have been working on a new kind of weekend experience that we're hosting in our home this summer. It's the Transform Weekend, and it's a faith-based personal growth weekend for those who are ready for positive change. We have one weekend in July for couples to attend together, and it's limited to four couples. We have one weekend in August for individuals to attend, and it's limited to just eight individuals. If you're ready for change, ready to silence your inner critic, shut the shame up, stop shutting down or exploding, and identify where God is inviting you to grow, then this special weekend is designed just for you. Come hang with us. You can learn more at markandjill.org slash transform. The betrayed spouse also needs to give unconditional respect. Now, trust is based upon behavior. Respect is not based upon behavior. Respect is given to someone because they're human. That's a mind bender, though, because we don't look at it like that most often. You have to earn it. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast, where today my husband and I are going to be tackling a question we get asked all the time, and that is, how do you rebuild trust in a relationship. So Mark, welcome back and thanks for joining me today. Oh, I'm pumped. I, I'm excited to tackle this topic. Yeah, we do get asked this a lot. Um, oftentimes it's asked in the context of marriage, but also in the context of parenting. Right. And so um, I think that's why we wanted to title it Rebuilding Trust in Relationships because Trust can be broken in all kinds of relationships. Right, and the principles really are very similar to the challenge, no matter where it is, that mm-hmm. that you find yourself challenged regarding trust. Right. And so, you know, oftentimes when we talk about trust being broken, we talk about the big things. And we've certainly experienced the big thing. Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> And so that was Mark's infidelity almost 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never heard our whole story, um, we do have a podcast episode on that. Um, we'll make sure that we link to that episode in our show notes. You know, that is a big trust breaker, obviously. I would say deception mm-hmm. of any kind is a trust breaker in a relationship. But in general, Trust can be broken in what might feel like smaller things, but broken trust is broken trust. Right. One of the places that I know I've had to rebuild trust in our relationship is in my critical spirit. I have extremely high expectations of myself, but also of others. And that often comes out as criticism. And sometimes it is criticism. Sometimes it's um, what might be called maximizing, where I'm, I'm, I always want to better myself. I assume other people want to as well, <laughs> so I'll help them. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And so that doesn't always no, it work. doesn't. So anyway, that's a place where I know I've broken your trust. Also in uh, parenting, like my tendency would be to get into a parenting mode and a parenting mindset with you, and I know that that was um, also a place where I broke your trust. Right. For me, I think what I have had to navigate regarding trust has been being a man of my word, doing what I say that I'll do. I think, too, uh, finding my voice and voicing my thoughts and my Mm. opinions or perspectives. Right, because part of why things went down the way they went down in our marriage 10 years ago is you would have told yourself I was letting things slide, but you really weren't. Uh, You just would sulk silently and things would pool in your heart until you had grown a bitterness. Mm -hmm. So one of the places that you've really been working on making changes, and it has rebuilt my trust, is knowing that you're putting things, that that you are communicating about the things that bother you or the things that you're you're letting me know that and they're not you're not sulking silently right yeah so that's definitely been a trust rebuilder as well Mm -hmm. you know i mean when it comes to parenting maybe we've our our kids can't trust us to tell them anything because we explode when they do right or um or we manage their emotions or what we think they we manage them when they when they are honest with us right we exactly and so that may be a place where we've we've broken our kids trust um i would say that uh i broke my kids trust because i wasn't compassionate and so i wouldn't be compassionate about you know, just different things. You were the more compassionate one in from a parenting mm-hmm. perspective. Now, this was before I learned the power of compassion. And that was, yeah. in fact, that's episode one. Um, I launched right out of the gate with the podcast in, in how I've learned about the beauty of compassion. And I'm yeah. way more compassionate than I used to be. But I would say that if something difficult happened in our kids' lives, they more likely went to you than to me. If they wanted mm-hmm. if they wanted it to be fixed, they went to me. If they wanted it to be felt, they went to you. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to say that. Yeah. That's definitely true. But now we actually I mean they would come to both of us for for either one. For any of that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that's what it looks like. That's what broken trust looks like. And it's not always like the really big things. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be the little patterns of relating that break mm-hmm. trust as well. There's actually a formula for rebuilding trust. And that formula is this. It's changed behavior over time equals trust. Man, we have seen that carried out in our own relationship. We've seen it as parents. We've seen it as marriage partners. and that changed behavior is that you actually do make a U-turn and you do what you say you will do. Right. You 
operate differently moving forward. And that's not always easy. And we'll talk about that more in just a few minutes. Um, But that changed behavior, the key is over time. Right. So often uh, people want it to be immediate. I know I did this, but you should be over this by now. I know I did this, but but look, I've been good for the last three weeks. Yeah. And over time is usually months, if not right. years. I think the key is that over time, we if we're the one who broke the trust, we can't be the one who determines the time. Mm. That we have to allow the ones that we hurt guide that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's um, that's very, very uh, true. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment as well. But when there's change behavior, when it lasts over a long period of time and a consistent, it's consistent mm-hmm. over that period of time, then trust begins to be restored. So, you yeah. know, when I think about my kids trusting my compassion as a mom and learning to come to me with feeling things um, when their heart is broken, I would say, I mean, that probably took years before they were like, can I really, like, I I would doubt now that they would give it a second thought, but initially they wouldn't necessarily have trusted that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have seven steps to rebuild trust. So this is one that um, you might want to get a pen and paper and if you uh, are nearby. If you are not, um, make sure you check out the show notes because we will at least include a basic outline that you can refer to as well. And um, some of these, we actually have a, it's a free resource. It's called um, your how-to guide for rebuilding trust. And um, uh, some of these are on that as well. So it can be something that you can actually tap into. And that there will be a link to that in the show notes as well. All right. So seven steps to rebuild trust. The very first step is this. Get to the heart of your behaviors. Yeah. Now, this goes back to change behavior over time equals trust. So get to the heart of your behaviors. This is where, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, I won't do it again, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I mean, you know, I won't, in your case, you know, I won't be unfaithful again. Those are just words. And unless there are actions behind those words, the words really are empty. Um, I won't right. parent you again. Uh, same thing. Uh, Those are just words. So I have to figure out actually what motivated my parenting. I had to figure out what motivated my criticism and then do something about the heart of that, not just the behavior management. Yeah, I think so often we don't really want to think about the why behind the behavior or behind the choices. And yet the why is the impetus that propelled us into those actions. And so we really have to take the time to answer the why. And if we don't, we're we're not on a new path. We're on the same path. It just looks a little different momentarily 
but we'll be back in the same situation or another destructive situation before long. Right, because those patterns of thinking that drove whatever it is or drive whatever it is, they are like ruts. Yeah. They're like ruts in our brain. They're like ruts in our behavior. And we'll just eventually slip back into those ruts unless we can call them what they are, cover them up, and blaze new paths. Mm. And that's what we really um, need to do when we look at the heart of our behaviors. So, for instance, when I think about the heart of my criticism or even the heart it probably was the same heart in my parenting. And one of the pieces of that was pride. I, I, I mean, I, I felt like I did it better and I had pride. And so that was um, fueling. So pride was fueling the criticism. Pride was fueling the parenting. Probably another piece was control, um, especially the parenting piece. I would, you know, because I I wanted to control either an outcome or how something would look. And so control was at the heart of what was fueling my behavior that was uh, parenting or criticizing. Yeah. I think for me, at the heart of my actions were a variety of challenges, one being passivity. Mm that uh, just being passive and what we found is that that's more true for men that when they don't know what to do they'll do nothing or many times when they don't know what to do they could power up with an aggression Mm -hmm. but uh, for me passivity kept my mouth closed Uh, shame was uh, an issue that I've struggled with my whole life not being good enough, all those, all those negative messages and that negative belief that I wasn't mm-hmm. enough, a lack of acceptance towards you. Uh, I didn't ex- want to accept your strength, your personality, uh, your your way of thinking, and then I, I came into marriage with just huge unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. And those unrealistic expectations really drove some twisted thinking on my Mm, part. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, really, one of the things that we talk about in marriage, and and honestly, this applies, I've never applied it, and I've never thought about it till this very moment, but applies to any relationship. And uh, what we say this in our No More Perfect Marriages book, when I'm a better me, we're a better we. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's true with if I think of my relationship with one of my kids, when I'm a better me, we're a better we in that relationship because I'm bringing something that's more healthy to the table. Right. And that is that's really important. So that's really at the heart of the first step of rebuilding trust. And that is to get to the heart of your behaviors so that you can address those behaviors, you can address mm-hmm. um, what is fueling them, and you can begin to make, truly make changes so that you can experience 
what that looks like to have change behavior over time, which will ultimately rebuild trust. Yeah. All right, so that's number one. Number two, this one is particularly important when deception has been a part of mm -hmm. a broken trust, and that is to ask and answer questions. And we run mm -hmm. into this with a lot of couples um, when we are dealing with people that maybe maybe trust has been broken with pornography, uh, maybe trust has been broken with infidelity, whether that mm -hmm. is emotional um, unfaithfulness or physical unfaithfulness. And um, it's really, this is an important part of the journey. And one of the things that, that we talk about uh, with other couples is that the person who's been deceptive has known about the situation for however long they've been deceptive. Right. Yeah. So if it's uh, infidelity, if it's pornography, if it's um, I, uh, spending, um, inappropriate spending, misuse of, of marriage funds, whatever it is, they've known about it the whole time they've been doing it. Yeah. And that, uh, it could be six months, three months, a year, two years, two years more. Exactly. And so what's important to understand is that when, because the betrayer has known of that the whole time, the innocent party hasn't. And so we, we've got to allow them the time to catch up. And we've got to allow them the time to sort through their hurt. And, 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 to, and to sort through their confusion. Yeah. And the realization that things weren't as they had believed them to yes. be. And so uh, they're, they're just reeling. Yes. And part of, part of the, the repair of the broken trust is how we navigate and how we lead our, our hurt spouse through our actions of brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so really that's what happens is the spouse is trying to come to grips with, you know, just what they thought was reality, but now they're realizing mm -hmm. isn't. So then, I mean, literally for us, I mean, yours went on for, um, it, at the time, well, I was going to say, by the time we were rebuilding, it had been a year. And mm -hmm. so I had to go back and go, wait a minute. You mean when we went on this trip right? and we were at this place, you were doing X mm -hmm. and or you were having conversations with someone else. So right. it was, it's, it's the, so there are some questions that are a, so that I understand what happened and the extent of what happened and, and all of that. But sometimes it's B, B so that I understand and come to grips with an adjusted reality. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will say, uh, if there's anything you did right and you, you did, I was so grateful. You did a lot right in the cleanup mess. You did a lot wrong in the mess. <laughs> I did. Yeah. But yeah. you did a lot right in the cleanup mess. And um, one of the things you did right is you answered every question I asked. Yeah. Yeah. I think, 
I, I just really felt like that was the right response for me. And I honestly, it, as crazy it, as it is, worked with so many couples beforehand where one of the parties didn't do it right and continued to hide or continued to manipulate information or get angry. And I just felt like in, in my own humility and brokenness that I needed to answer every question and not be frustrated if the same question was asked over and over again. In fact, I expected the same question to come many times. Mm -hmm. uh, it would come wrapped differently, but it was really the heart of it was the same question. Right. And uh, I mean, there were sometimes you would even say, are you sure you want to know the answer to that question? Mm -hmm. And you did it in a heart of just wanting to make sure I really needed to know it. Um, not wanting to cause any more hurt. You didn't do right. it in a heart of, I, I'm stalling. I don't want to tell you. Um, so I was grateful for that. And, you know, some people, when you're rebuilding trust, if there's been deception, you do have to figure out if this is going to help you or not. Uh, right. I would say, you know, there are feelers and there are thinkers in this world. Mm -hmm. If you're a feeler and your spouse has broken your trust with some sort of deception, you may need to be really careful about what questions you ask because that can send you reeling. Um, yeah. I tend to be a thinker, and so I am a, I, I'm a gatherer of data. And in mm -hmm. my heart behind asking those questions, now, not that those answers weren't painful for me. Right. Don't confuse that. But right. um, because of the way that I operate, that was still very, very valuable for me to have those answers. But I didn't mind that every right. once in a while you were like, are you sure you want to know that? Right. And I could make a decision, yes or no, um, if I did or I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm grateful. I will say, in the beginning, we were dealing with questions daily, if not hourly. Mm -hmm. And probably the first six months, a lot of questions. but. Yeah. Then they started to really decrease. You know, I would say we were down to a couple of a week after that. And we were down right. to maybe a year later, every two months, I'd think of something mm -hmm. and want to know the answer to it. And even to yeah. this day, we're now um, eight years from reconciliation fully. And that, I would say that... Every once in a blue moon, uh, especially because of the work we do now coaching other couples, you know, I will think of an angle that I never like I want to explore mm -hmm. what was going on inside your head. And I'll still ask a question every once in a while. Right. But I mean, we're talking once or twice a year. Like it doesn't happen very often at all. Right. I think uh, so often and you struggled with this, too, was I just want all the facts and I want it in one setting just tell me everything mm -hmm. and what's hard to understand and to get our head around is that it doesn't come out in one lump conversation mm -hmm. it comes out in layers and it comes out in segments and part of that is that I was so twisted up and for us who 
are in similar circumstances. We are so twisted up in our thinking, we don't even remember everything that we did. And so it's hard for us to get our head around what it is that we're to communicate. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that we had to work yep. through. And that is a place, um, usually the one, if there's been deception, the one who's been betrayed is like, I want, I want you to lay it all out. I want it right. on the table, everything. You need to tell right. me everything. And what I found is you would think you had told me everything, but I would find an email account or I would find something. Yeah. And yeah. and then he would be like, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot about that. And that would be one thing. I mean, at, you know, I could have at that point gone, and I did at one point. I remember going to my counselor going, and when does this stop? Like, when does this right. stop? Right. Um, and right. he really challenged me. He said, you know, this is this is how it happens. It comes out in layers. Um, yeah. And it, it's just the nature of the beast. But I needed to know that any question I asked you, you would be willing to answer, not beat around the bush. Right. Not him haw, but truly answer. Right. Yep, and that was so important. Here's another um, type of question that uh, I, we began to ask, and uh, we began to ask more healthy questions like, um, how did that make you feel? Or you're really quiet tonight. What's going on inside your head and your heart? And these kind of questions, what they would do is they would put thoughts and feelings out on the table or help us to put thoughts and feelings out on the table where they weren't in the dark crevices of our mind, where Satan just gets in Would and play. plays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so this, I mean, it was helpful for me. I tend to be an internal processor. Um, it was helpful for you to pull you out of passivity. Mm -hmm. um, so those were. Or wallowing mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So asking questions that draws out emotions and thoughts it not only helped our communication and rebuilding trust, but it deepens intimacy mm -hmm. because we can share. Now we, we have to be, we have, if I ask you what's going on inside your head and your heart and you put it out there, I have to be safe for you to be honest with. Like, let's just say right. it's a bad day and I put it out there and, you know, it, I mean, that could cause conflict if one or both of us react to it oh right yeah but rather if we can just be i mean you we're we're trusting each other with our humanness yeah yeah um here's uh one last thing on on this you know sometimes we get asked isn't this an invasion of privacy like asking questions mm -hmm. that kind of a thing and here's the deal a marriage with a foundation of trust has no secrets mm -hmm. none zilch and honestly your spouse should have a master key mm -hmm. to every part of your life mm -hmm. sometimes literally like your spouse should know the um code on your phone you know if your phone has a passcode on it um mm -hmm. your spouse should know all of your passcodes on your on your computer and your uh email um, mm -hmm. You gave up privacy. I mean, every one of us gives up privacy in marriage when we say I do, and we begin a lifelong journey towards oneness. And yeah. that's really a place where if 
if we resist opening up our life, our phone, mm-hmm. our whatever you want to call it, um, then the big question becomes what, why? Yeah. What do you have to hide? What is it that you're unwilling to uh, surrender for the sake of your marriage? Yeah. So, all right. Step number one was get to the heart of your behavior. Step number two, ask and answer questions. And then step number three, respect one another. Respect one another. So, you know, when trust is broken, the process of healing is painful for both spouses. And honestly, respect is needed for both perspectives. Yeah. I think uh, love and respect actually go together. And what I realized was that my love was selfish Mm -hmm. and my respect was non-existent, really. And so in me learning to respect you and you know the idea of walking a mile in your shoes emotionally i had to realize that the emotional rug had been pulled out from under you that really i'd taken a huge dagger and just cut your heart Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. out and uh so i i really in respecting you i wanted to do life differently and respond differently and that I couldn't force your pace to be any different than what your pace was. I couldn't force your thoughts to be any different than what they were. I couldn't force your questions to be any less than what they were. And so in learning to love, I had to learn to answer and to value and trust the Lord in you in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the the betrayed spouse, the betrayed spouse also needs to give unconditional respect. And this is where I think sometimes people get stuck um, because you're thinking, look, I I don't owe you respect. You disrespected me. I don't I don't owe you respect. But unconditional respect is something that really God he calls us to be respectful of other people, other human beings. It's not now trust is based upon behavior. Respect is not based upon re- behavior. Respect is given to someone because they're human. That's a mind bender, though, because we don't look at it like that most no, often. We don't. Yeah. You have to earn it. Right. You have to do the right thing. And the thing is, that is so evasive because I may do the right thing right now, but five minutes from now, I'll do the very wrong thing that I want to do, you know? And so I just, I really resonate with you and what you're well, saying. Well, and so what we've got to do is, you know, I had to really like, okay, as I interacted with you, when we were rebuilding trust, as I interacted with you, you didn't need my tone of voice or my choice of words to condemn, criticize, or punish you any further. And quite frankly, 
when we disrespect our spouse while we're trying to accomplish something, it usually stops the forward moving process. Mm -hmm. So had I come at you, and I'm not saying that I couldn't be angry. I couldn't, I'm not saying that I, there was um, righteous anger. There was uh, righteous, um, painful communication. But I could do that in a way that still was respectful. Yeah. And um, that was that was really an important part of the process. It so um, think about this from a parenting perspective. You know, it's amazing how sometimes uh, we, we expect our kids to respect us, but we're not always respectful of them. Right. And we're talking even kids at home, ones that you're still parenting. You know, for instance, I mean, this is kind of silly, but um, it, to the best of your ability, you should always give a kid a five-minute warning. That is respectful. Nobody wants to just be told, go get your shoes on. We have to leave. When, when they're in the middle of something, doing something that they love, we need to be respectful of them even in the way that we speak to them, even in the way that mm-hmm. we issue punishment or a consequence. And if we can do it in a respectful way, it actually builds trust mm-hmm. for them as well. Yeah. All right. So we need to respect one another. Number four, we need to offer accountability. Offer accountability. So for this one, we have um, created a a phrase that that really has been something that helps us to remember what's most important when it comes to accountability. And that is the trust breaker is the trust maker. So what that means is the person who broke the trust is really the one that has the power to rebuild the trust and needs to be the right. one that takes the forefront at rebuilding that mm-hmm. trust. And in uh, rebuilding the trust, what happens is the one who is hurt wants to bring heavy-handed accountability. And that's not accountability at all. And what is more healthy is for that trust breaker to push information and to push uh, accountability, to put the actions in place that legitimize your action Mm -hmm. so for me both of our family or our families are located in indianapolis and so when i would make the drive to indy to help my mom that was an issue because the person you had a relationship with also lived there Mm -hmm. right that i did not want in any way to cause you concern Mm -hmm or worry, or any additional pain. I also didn't want to do that to my kids or to others. And so I wanted to be above reproach. And so if you couldn't go with me, I would ask a buddy of mine to go. Mm -hmm. And I would do that without your asking, because I felt like that was important, that I am responsible and accountable without you having to drive mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, because if you would have driven it I would have felt parented and that's not right. healthy so really what we're saying is that 
oftentimes we think of the word accountability as we do think of it, you use the word policing, um, and we feel like it is the responsibility of the person that was betrayed or that the trust was broken. But really what we're saying is that the betrayer holds the key to accountability and they need to, to be proactive about accountability. And when they do, there's no need to police. It doesn't even that, that person doesn't even need to be thinking about it because they know that the other person is thinking about it. And this can even, um, I mean, let's talk about this from a parenting perspective. Uh, Let's just say your teenager has broken your trust and you're um, telling them that they hold the key to rebuilding trust. And one way they can do that is by um, pushing accountability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You kind of put it in their hands. What do you think would be a good thing for you to do to rebuild my trust as it relates to where you've been on your computer or on your phone? Um, How do you think it would rebuild my trust as it relates to you being at the place that you tell me that you're going to be? And you help Mm -hmm. them to think of things they can do to push that Mm -hmm. information to you and to actively rebuild that trust. Right. That is a real different way of thinking about accountability. Um, because yeah. um, that's really probably the, one of the biggest pieces that we see couples struggle with is that there's, they're not owning it. Uh, the trust mm-hmm. breaker isn't owning the accountability. And w- yeah. here's what I found is when your words, I want to be trusted again, matched your I'm an open book actions. And I'm going to make sure that you know that I'm thinking about this actions, then trust began to slowly take root in our yeah. relationship again. I think, too, when the person who's hurt becomes that policeman, mm-hmm. it continues to dig and deepen the hurt because they just they feel like something more is there. And so they're always on guard, always looking, always Mm -hmm. digging, always, always, always. And that is not healthy. But if the person who broke the trust would initiate accountability and initiate the building of trust, it takes the pressure off the hurt spouse and allows them to Mm -hmm. heal. Well, and the other thing I would say, too, is... Um, you know, when I think about rebuilding your trust as it was related to parenting, um, I remember I invited you and I said, would you please let me know when I say something or do an action that you feel is parenting? Mm -hmm. I will do my very best to receive that. And so I invited you to give me feedback. Mm -hmm. And um, that's another way of pushing that. And now Mm -hmm. I had to also be trustworthy with that because if you would have said, um, and here's, and this is the funny thing is, I don't remember how it got started, but the first time you did it, you were like, Jilly, 
And then you would tell me what it was, you know, Jilly, mm -hmm. you just parented me. Jilly, you were just trying to control that situation. Jilly, are you aware? And now all you have to do is say, Jilly. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, I did it again. <laughs> Which has been far less. Oh, we haven't yeah. even had to really do that much in recent mm -hmm. years because changed behavior over time. Now, I can be tired. I can. Right. We, we can, can fall all back into fall old back ruts. into old patterns, and we sometimes mm -hmm. need that little reminder. But for the most part, yeah, we both have experienced change behavior. It's so crazy. You think those old patterns are gone, long gone, dead, forgotten. Then all of a sudden you find yourself in an old pattern again. And it's like, where in the world did that mm -hmm. come from? Well, yeah. if you aren't intentional, it will it'll return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And relationships can never go on autopilot. Right. They just can't. And the minute we mm -hmm. let them go on autopilot is the minute we fall back into a rut. Or yep. it's the minute that we, you know, just get careless. Yeah. And so, man, yeah. So very important. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, get to the heart of your behaviors. Ask and answer questions. Respect one another. Offer accountability. Number five. Forgive and forgive and forgive some more. Now, we're mm. going to do a, a future podcast episode on forgiveness. So we won't dig into this a ton. But here's the deal with forgiveness is it, you just can't. You, it is the first step in you allowing your spouse to rebuild trust. Like if you've been hurt. It's the first step in you actually allowing them to rebuild. So um, when it came to my parenting or my critical spirit, the only way that you would let me out from underneath my past behavior was mm -hmm. forgiveness. Absolutely. And uh, you and I have taught quite a bit recently that forgiveness is the most underutilized toolbox or tool in our yeah. toolbox and uh, we don't go to forgiveness enough and forgiveness keeps our heart clean keeps our heart pure uh, keeps our heart ready to engage our spouse and to continue to move forward in relationship yeah, yeah it is and so really forgiveness opens our heart to be able to plant seeds of trust again Mm -hmm. So it's re you have to do it and uh, forgiveness. Um, and we'll talk about this more in a future uh, episode, but forgiveness is layered. So mm -hmm. lots and lots of layers of forgiveness. Um, but uh, so sometimes I think, you know, we, we think, okay, if I have to forgive Mark for, let's just say the infidelity, well, that is probably I'm going to just choose the number a thousand. I have a thousand angles of things that happen there that I have to forgive. Right. And I mean, that sounds crazy and it could even sound very overwhelming, but it, it becomes one of the most important things uh, for me right. to do is. It's not a one time. No, event. I'm thinking about it from lots of different angles. So um, the other thing that forgiveness does though is that it, it also doesn't mean that trust is restored. See, a lot of times people think, if I forgive, 
well, then I, I, I have to trust them again. No, not at all. Forgiveness mm-hmm. is about keeping your heart cleaned up and uncluttered and available to God and available to this relationship, the hope mm-hmm. of the future of this relationship. And it's a first step to move from the past mm-hmm. to the future. Yeah. And that w- is really, really important. Um, honestly, as a parent, we need, you know, we don't even recognize it, but we probably, if we are actively parenting, meaning we've got a kid under the age of 18 under our roof um, that, you know, we're in charge of, I mean, you probably should be forgiving them a dozen times a day <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because you're bumping into their imperfect all the time. Right. So forgiveness gets the soil of our heart ready and willing to rebuild trust. Yeah. Okay. Um, number six, you got to watch your expectations. And boy, I had to learn that one mm-hmm. because I just struggled so much with unrealistic expectations. And so uh, even in us saying that for forgiveness requires probably a thousand different angles regarding uh, hurt, that's managing expectations. And so uh, I had to real recognize that my unrealistic expectations of what real marriage looked like was a big time responsible for uh, me pursuing a new relationship, for wanting to bail mm. on, on our relationship and thinking that a new relationship could be different. But all of that was unrealistic. And I had to really accept and recognize that all marriages have challenges, and those challenges are going to come and go and come and come and go. They just, uh, that is a part of healthy marriage, of real marriage, of real relationship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think in a parenting perspective, what we have to do is have realistic expectations of our kids. You know, one of the things Dr. Kathy Cook and I talk about in our uh, No More Perfect Kids book is we talk about the fact that, um, you know, Mm -hmm. when a child is learning how to walk, they will take two steps and fall down and they will take two steps and fall down. And we, if, you know, we look at that, I don't think there's anyone that would call that failure they would call that progress because they're learning how to walk. But when they get older and they're five or they're 10 or they're 15 or they're 17 Mm -hmm. and they take two steps and fall down and they take two more steps and fall down, not literally Mm -hmm. like a child walking, but in a, you know, in a, um, a way that is appropriate for that stage of the game. Then we look at it as failure. So we have to have an un, mm-hmm. we have to have an expectation that kids will fail. They will make mistakes. Um, if even in the rebuilding process, rebuilding trust process, we have to have the a realistic expectation right. that there will be setbacks. Um, there will be continued discoveries of things that maybe have been forgotten, or the importance of it was underestimated by the one, uh, by the betrayer, um, that there will be Mm -hmm. painful feelings in the healing process. 
and that we have to we can't always fix those like especially mm-hmm. if you were the one that broke trust and now your spouse you see your spouse yeah. in pain you can't fix that pain immediately you have to allow them to feel it you have mm-hmm. to sit in the pain with them you have to own that you created that pain yeah. and that you caused that pain. And the only way that you can repair the pain is by doing exactly what we're talking about is change behavior over time equals rebuilding trust. So we, we've got to have healthy expectations about mm-hmm. the everyday stuff of relationship, but we've also got to have healthy expectations of what a trust rebuilding process actually looks like. All right. So we've talked about, we got to get to the heart of our behaviors. Yeah. We have to ask and answer questions. We have to respect one another. We have to offer accountability, push accountability. We have to forgive and forgive some more. We have to watch our expectations. And finally, you have to balance risk with hope. There is no way to rebuild trust without embarking upon some form of risk. Yeah, and that risk comes from all parties. Mm -hmm. Uh, The risk to accept, the risk to um, believe the best, the risk to receive information, the risk to create a safe environment, all of those things and more are so important. Mm-hmm. And and it is both parties, too, because, well, let's just talk about from a, um, you know, trust broken in marriage perspective. You, you, you might say that all the risk was on me. I was taking back a guy who had lied, cheated. Mm-hmm multiple times mm-hmm. in the sa- with the same relationship. I mean, you went back and forth seven different times. Um, you would recommit, then you would go back to the other person, then you would recommit, you would go back. And so that was a huge risk when you really did surrender. And I saw the difference. So that helped me to take that risk. Like I literally saw you um, make that shift, but you also had to risk because there were parts of our relationship that you didn't want to re-enter right. into. Right. The parenting, the right. critical spirit. Right. And you also were ha- having to risk. Yeah. That that wouldn't change. I don't think risk is one-sided. It's always multifaceted, just like all these other elements that we've talked about. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it requires courage. And Mm -hmm. courage to risk is going to move us forward to the hope that we desire and the hope that we create and the hope that is attainable. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think one of the things, this is where faith comes in, Mm -hmm. because if we don't have, I mean, in the back of my mind, when I was risking relationship again, in the back of my mind, 
I was like, Lord, I want him to be able to rebuild trust. I want us to be restored. But if that can't happen again, I still know I can trust you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that, I've, I know you have me. And if this guy doesn't um, become a man of his word, if he doesn't make this U-turn, if he doesn't, um, if his actions don't match his words, mm-hmm. I know I'm still going to be okay. Yeah. Because you've got me. Yeah. And I can trust you. And um, I can, uh, you will be my soft place to fall. Yeah. Uh, e- either way. And I think that that's really an important part. You and I trust. came through that whole process of trusting God very differently. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't trust him. I didn't trust you. I didn't trust anyone. And I was such a mess. I was believing that the only person I could trust was myself. And myself had made quite a mess. And then my trust in the Lord came from, I cannot clean this up. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I obviously don't know how to love you because if I really had loved you, I wouldn't have done what I had done. I wouldn't have had the affair. I wouldn't have gone back seven times. Um, I wouldn't have done all the things that I did to hurt you, the kids, other people in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to, by faith, trust God and believe that God really had the best for me, even when I didn't trust him. It was Mm -hmm. kind of a strange thing. Mm -hmm. But he's really. But that was a part of surrender. Yeah, it was. That was a part of when you threw up that white flag. Yeah. Going, you know what? I I don't know what to do here. I've made a mess of things. Yeah. I I don't know that I can trust you, God, but I got no other choice. Yeah. I I've I've got to. Yeah. And that was a big um, a big yeah. part of it. Yeah, it was. And you know, um, from a parenting perspective, our daughter recently uh, shared a post uh, on Facebook that was um, pretty powerful, and. In fact, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But she talked about that when you first came back, yeah, she didn't trust you no. at all. No. And, um, and she didn't know why I was trusting you. Right. Of course, she hadn't been had a front row seat at what I saw happen on Easter Sunday no. of 2012. She didn't know that. I mean, I could tell her that, but I had experienced it, and I knew that something had changed inside of you. But um, it took her, uh, what she feels like it took her about a year and a half to trust you again. Yeah. And uh, so that's a, a perfect example of even from a parenting perspective. And the only way you rebuilt that trust is your changed behavior over time yeah rebuilt your daughter's trust yeah yeah and in reading that post that she had written it just it made me so sad that I had put her through that mm-hmm. but it also made me very great I found my heart very grateful for what the Lord has done and for what for where we all have come and just reaffirms the decision that I can't ever 
do that again. I can't ever put my family in harm's way. I've got to be the protector of my family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish I had owned it before mm -hmm. to that degree, but I didn't. But I need, but I do, and I need to continue to do that now. Yeah. And I think her 18 month timeline, which is interesting uh, because she's not in the middle of you know, trust rebuilding ministry like we are. Yeah. Uh, but it's probably pretty accurate mm -hmm. that she just had to see you be steady and be a man of your word mm -hmm. over time before she actually trusted. Yeah. And that trust was rebuilt. Yeah. And uh, that was kind that of was a, a good point. Yeah. 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 Kind of a secondary relationship where trust was being rebuilt. But it's a beautiful example of mm -hmm. really um, that change behavior over time does equal trust. Yeah. Good conversation today. Yes. And uh, you know what? Uh, for our audience, I'm sure uh, maybe uh, they, I mean, everybody deals with this. We bump into each other's imperfect. And maybe it's, um, maybe trust has been broken in your marriage. Maybe you were the trust breaker. Or maybe... Um, you're the, the one that's uh, been betrayed. Maybe uh, you're dealing with, uh, you can't trust one of your parents. Um, maybe it is uh, trust broken in a parent-child relationship and you're the parent and, and one of your children has broken your trust. Um, but let's just close today um, with prayer. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, just uh, for broken relationships and as much as it depends on us, um, we can uh, do these seven steps and some of the things that we have talked about um, because, it, unfortunately, we will break someone's trust. Yeah. Maybe we have and we don't even realize it. True. So, yeah. um, so let's just close in prayer today. Yeah. Father, I, I know that... Uh, broken trust. I know that hurt and betrayal is so, uh, it just creates so much turmoil and so much uh, confusion. Uh, Lord, for each one of us who are uh, the betrayer, Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit and breathe in courage and hope to do the right thing. Yeah. For the one who's been hurt, I pray that their flesh is screaming and their flesh is probably wanting out and wanting to end the relationship. And I pray that you would help them to trust and to uh, believe the best in what you will do, O oh Lord. And so, Lord, we we do trust you. We look to you. We know that you have our best interest. Uh, you have our best in heart, in, in your heart, in your mind. And so we trust you fully in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. 
See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.